0: This is the Between Two Pulpits podcast. Before we get started with our podcast today, I have a couple of announcements. First of all, the Peace and Global Witness offering season is upon us. This offering is collected on World Communion Sunday, which is October 1st, 2023. And this year we're celebrating 40 years of our commitment to peacemaking. Part of this offering season includes a daily devotional that's emailed out. So if you'd like to make sure you're getting that daily devotional, or if you'd like to be on the list to get it for next year, we'll leave a link in our show notes where you can sign up for that. If you'd like to read the devotions from this year, if you missed it or you missed some of the earlier ones, we'll leave a link in our show notes where you can download the entire devotional for all of this season of peace. Finally, the last announcement that I have is that our new Presbyterian Giving Catalog is out. Uh, We'll leave a link in our show notes where you can check that out. There's all kinds of great uh, opportunities for you to give because just doing something even small adds up to so much. And we're so grateful for all that you all have to share. So now let's get started with our podcast. Welcome to Between Two Pulpits. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Katie Snyder. My other host here is John Wilkinson. Say hi, John.
1: Hi, John. No, hi, Katie. Uh, We're grateful for everybody who's listening to us right now.
0: Today on the show, we have special guest Carl Horton. Um, So we're really excited to have him. So since 2011, Carl has served as the coordinator of the Presbyterian Peacemaking Program. He is highly committed to equipping peacemakers and strengthening the church at all levels for its engagement in peacemaking. In his free time, he is a backyard farmer, piano student, and dog wrangler. To learn more about Carl, you can read his full bio in our show notes. Carl, welcome. Thank you for being here.
2: Hi, Katie. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you.
1: Carl and I have known each other for many, many years in various capacities, but it's great to be able to have an extended conversation about Carl's work and how our listeners can support it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So we're going to have some questions for you, Carl, today. Um, So first of all, just tell us what you do with the Peacemaking Program. Just give us a little general kind of overview. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I have been with this program now for 12 years. So, I feel like I've been around for a while and I don't know where all the time went, but, um, you know, I started just kind of new to the peacemaking program. I'd had long experience in the Presbyterian church, I'd worked at the mission agency previously, but came into the peacemaking program in a time of transition and I've stuck around, you know. So, it's a good fit for me. I love the work that we get to do. Um, The peacemaking program is um, a program that was established by the General Assembly, an action of the General Assembly, and a policy, Peacemaking the Believer's Calling. So we are celebrating about um, 40 years now of the commitment to peacemaking, which sort of launched the denomination-wide effort for congregations to identify themselves as peacemaking congregations. Um, so I've been with the program 12 of those, you know, 43 years, so maybe, you know, long enough to um, really have, have gotten familiar with the program and what we do and really um, understand the impact of a denomination having a program like the peacemaking program. So one of the things that I think is really most special about it and unique is that it's not just at one level of the church, but it's at all levels of our church. It's a, it's a program that begins really in the congregation with a congregation making a commitment to be a peacemaking congregation and engaging in peacemaking work in their community, in their congregation, uh, in whatever way they um, feel called to that. And then also our mid councils, our presbyteries and our synods. Peacemaking happens at that level. And then it also happens at um, the denominational level through uh, through the office that I get to be a part of.
0: So if a congregation wants to is not a peace currently a peacemaking congregation, but is interested in that, how do they how do they like sign up for that or declare that?
2: So that's what congregations have done for 40 years is become peacemaking congregations. And what they do is there's this thing called the commitment to peacemaking. And it identifies about eight ways. It's a little bit like the marks of membership. You know how when somebody joins a Presbyterian church, we say here's what it here's what it looks like to be a member. You don't have to do all of these things at the same time, but these are the expressions of being a member of a Presbyterian church. It's kind of that way because it, there are sort of marks of Presbyterian of peacemaking congregations, and so this is how it's evidenced. And so a congregation through its session. There's some study you can do. There's some materials, some biblical foundational material about peacemaking, some theological material that's available on the website. But ultimately, a a congregation, a mid-council, an institution can sign the commitment to peacemaking. And that, you know, we still have those on file and paper copies in the office, you know, nowadays, uh, I think we have a little bit more of a digital option for that. And all of that material can be found on the peacemaking webpage, which is, you know, presbyterianmission.org. And then you just do that slash peacemaking, and that'll get you to our webpage. But there's a tab that says becoming a, a peacemaking congregation, making the commitment, living out the commitment. So yeah, we have Honestly, Katie, I think there are, at one time in the PCSA, there were about 5,000 congregations that had signed the commitment. So we, we're we about half of our congregations have done that. They only do it once, I mean, once you sign it, you're always a peacemaking congregation. So it is, a, it is a commitment that we hope is evidenced year after year in the congregation's life, but they only need to sign the commitment once.
0: For those of you interested in being a peacemaking congregation, we'll link that in the show notes.
1: Great. So, Carl, I've been thinking about this. So, 40 years ago, when this started uh, with what was a peacemaking, the believer's calling, coming out of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, so, definitely there was a national and international perspective that drove this that has not disappeared, but it's evolved a lot. So. Maybe reflect a little bit on making that commitment in 2023 would look like, or what it means for a church that made it long ago is now in, we're all living in a different world. And maybe that can even lead into, you know, some of what you do programmatically with the with mm-hmm. the program as it currently is.
2: It actually was 1980 when uh, Peacemaking the Believer's Call was presented to the then one of the assemblies of our not-yet-united not yet PCUSA church, 1980 Peacemakers believing Believers Calling was approved as a policy of the church. And that sort of got the ball rolling. 1983 is then when, and that actually allowed the church to begin to form a staff. And what happened was then really to implement this vision of a denomination that can, that focuses its calling on peacemaking. How does that, what does that look like? Right. That's where Uh, in 1983, the commitment to peacemaking was launched as a denominational-wide effort. You're right. In 1980, the world was very focused on Concern about weaponry. We still are concerned about mass weapons of mass destruction, of course, but global concerns for nuclear uh, war, the escalation of the arms race, those sorts of things were at the forefront. And what could churches do? What could Christians do? So there was a desire at that time for the church to speak clearly. Against war and against an escalation of arms that could destroy humanity, so that is actually one of the points in the commit in the commitment to peacemaking that you would work for global security that doesn't involve sort of war and weaponry. The commitment you know we've looked at that we looked at that in this past. Since 9 11, and thought, okay, how does this need to change? And, you know, um, I don't know if it's sadly or fortunately, the the priorities of the commitment to peacemaking are kind of unchanged. The Mm. issues that we address, right, that churches care about, have certainly changed. So today in in 2023, you know, there is a greater emphasis in our work on things like uh, migration and immigration, refugees, uh, congregations that are wanting to attend to those issues as a part of their pe- peacemaking work certainly violence in all its forms but gun violence is one that we hear from a lot of congregations that they want to know uh, they want ideas on what they can do to help end gun violence because it's touching all of our communities you know we're also focusing on uh, militarization and militarism because we see even local law enforcement becoming more militarized in our our you know, our everyday lives are so, so very militarized. So poverty, racism. So we're very aligned with congregations that are engaged in Matthew 25. Our peacemaking congregations have been doing Matthew 25 work all along. So that to me is something that's right at the forefront of our work. A lot of our congregations fo- focus their work, um, their peacemaking work on homelessness, unhoused people poverty racism in their own communities so there's lots of overlap for us
0: I appreciate you bringing the Matthew 25 tie in there too because I think a lot of people do wonder about like how does that connect or not connect so I'm glad that you you mentioned that
2: yeah we, we've we always allowed congregations to define what peacemaking work looks like to them. You know, we get so many different expressions of peacemaking, and in part because the Peace and Global Witness offering is kept uh, locally and regionally, a portion of it remains with the congregation. Congregations really get to decide what do we do, what is, how do what are our passions, what are our commitments in peacemaking. A lot of those do align with Matthew twenty five, but they don't have to. Um, I do think it's an easy fit for a peacemaking congregation to say sure, we'll be a Matthew 25 congregation. I think that's an easy fit. One of those things in Matthew 25 is congregational vitality, right? Growing vital congregations. I have always said, if you're a peacemaking congregation doing peacemaking work, you're already a vital congregation. So I do think one of the things about the peacemaking program and the commitment to peacemaking is, you know, for 40 years, we have been nurturing vitality in our congregations by helping them engage with these really on the ground issues that are right in their congregations and in their communities. And so, and I love that the Peace and Global Witness offering doesn't tell anybody, any congregation, what they have to do. They get to decide. We have provided um, some new resources that I'd love to tell you about in a bit that we've hoped will help stretch some of our congregations into new ways of engaging in peacemaking. Cause I know sometimes we get in a rut and we do the same rinse and repeat. We do the same ministry year after year, and it doesn't give us life anymore. It's just like, we're on the ministry treadmill, the treadmill because we've always done it this way. So we are hoping through some newer resources from the peacemaking program to help congregations imagine avenues for peacemaking work that they maybe haven't tried before?
1: I was going to ask two different questions, so you can answer them however you want, Carl. But I And you just alluded to one, so talk about those new resources and how people might access them. But I'm also interested in, you were just talking about congregations, maybe give us an example or two off the top of your head about how some local congregations are using their portions of the offering, because I think it's a good entry point to what this offering can do to benefit a local congregation as well as our national work.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. There are so many examples and, and sometimes congregations do the same thing year over year after year, because they do have a commitment, you know, they support something in their community or they have a program, but sometimes they are willing to explore new ways to use their, their uh, peace and global witness funds. Um, I know of congregations, John, that are doing an after-school program for students, tutoring. If they're in a community where really they there aren't a lot of after-school options for kids, they're meeting a need and they open up their facility and they use those funds to tutor, to provide after-school programs. And that's peacemaking. That is absolutely peacemaking. I know a church that, or a child, she was a child at the time, But this has been going on for years. They they noticed that some children lived in situations where they didn't have beds. And so they started this ministry of collecting beds and making those available to folks that were living in poverty. So making sure every every child had a bed, that was that church's priority. We have congregations that uh, join with community groups in uh, anti-gun violence programs Mm -hmm. and support uh, different initiatives in their community to limit uh, gun violence or address gun violence. We have folks that are providing resources for refugees in their community. Some of our congregations support mission co-workers with their peace and Global witness offering mm-hmm. funds. so I think that's I think that's a great way if you have a relationship with a mission co-worker, they use their peace and global witness offering funds to support that person's ministry. And it's all about relationship. Oh, community gardens. Mm -hmm. I've seen some churches that fund a community garden. There certainly are a number of congregations that uh, put their money into local uh, winter shelters. I know of a couple of churches that save their money and that money goes to provide a winter shelter and churches that open up their, um, their facilities uh, with other churches in the community. So they kind of rotate in wintertime uh, providing shelter for folks who are unhoused. So I've seen some that do programs in schools, anti-bullying, providing resources for children. There are materials that they can get for families, for at-home sort of peace building. I, I wish I could tell you all the ways they're used. I don't even know, to be
1: honest with you. No, that's great. I think, I think, I think your very answer says what a what a infinite range of possibilities congregations infinite. have to use their portion of the money and how creative congregations can be. And if it feels like peacemaking is this big complex topic that we can't get involved with, when you list list those examples, it shows that, well, we could I could see our congregation doing that or I could see our congregation doing that. So I think it's really helpful to have have some of those examples out there. So I appreciate I appreciate all that you shared. That was great.
2: Yeah, one of the, you know, right now, one of the programs going on, which I am sure this is a part of how congregations use their Peace and Global Witness offering funds and express their peacemaking commitment is our international peacemakers who are itinerating right now. They were in Louisville for orientation last week. They left on Friday. They will be um, through World Communion Sunday. So um, they're here for about a month, and they're hosted by our congregations, mid-councils. So I know those congregations that are a part of hosting teams for peacemakers are definitely pro- definitely um, com- that's this is a part of the way they express their peacemaking commitment, but I bet some of the funds from the Peace and Global Witness offering are helping to make that possible. Certainly those funds help make what we do possible because international peacemakers, is one of our one of our biggest programs of the year when we bring partners from we basically bring individuals from partner denominations and organizations to itinerate across the PCUSA and tell stories and build relationships and and have in-person visits, which are so important these days.
1: How many peacemakers are here right now?
2: So there's eight. That's um, great. Wow. Yeah. We've had anywhere from um, six to 15 in a given year. This year, there are eight. Two of them are accompanied by um, mission co-workers who are serving as interpreters. Ah. Um, But yeah, eight persons got through the visa process to join us and arrived last week and will be um, traveling throughout the Peace USA. And honestly, they're going to all points of this country. All over the place. I think we have 43 presbyteries that uh, issued invitations. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's terrific. So, Carl, I'm going to switch gears a minute. Uh, Tell tell me how you got involved in this work. What was your sense of call to this work?
2: I initially came into the PCUSA. I mean, like many other people, I I served congregations um, like yeah. you, John. I mean, not right. as I I served congregations in uh, for for ten years, and then at that point in my career, I was invited to come and do a um, take a position in Louisville that was doing leader development, and I uh, was I was sourcing um, elders, deacons. It was called church leader support. So, hmm. you know, in my that position ended. And then I did some interim pastorates, which was a great. So I I sort of went from having a great sense of call to um, equipping congregational leaders to helping congregations through transition. And then I was invited to sort of merge those. This is how I understood it, I guess, invited to merge those gifts or at least interests in helping to equip leaders in in churches and help a program through a transition. Mm-hmm. So peacemaking wasn't especially my wheelhouse at the time I was I was a I had been a pastor who promoted the offering and and had a congregation that expressed its witness in peacemaking ways but coming into the program i was it there was kind of a steep learning curve for me but what i found was it was really a fit it was a fit for me not only because i really enjoy doing leader development and giving leaders be they pastors lay leaders any leader in the church educational ministry leaders kind of tools they need and resources but also this you know this incredible program of our denomination that that speaks quite clearly about a commitment to peace and i i just the longer i stayed with this program the more it felt like a fit for me with my own personal commitments and passions and my commitment to the presbyterian church and compassion peace and justice is a great area to work in so all of the offices you know the colleagues are amazing but you know the hunger program self development of people our washington office pda the ministry at the united nations i mean these are just really i think they're hallmarks of what it means to be presbyterian and that we have these offices and these commitments speak lar- speak loudly about sort of the legacy of our church but also the great potential of 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 our of our church
0: so is there anything that you wish people knew about peacemaking that they don't or like a uh, any kind of like myths about peacemaking or maybe things that you think make churches like hesitate when it comes to getting started with it?
2: Yeah, I do get that question a lot. Like, Like, well, define peacemaking or what does it look like? And, and I think each person may have their own preconceived notions about what it means to be a peacemaker. As John said, you know, in the 1980s, Being a peacemaker in the 1960s, 70s, you know, in each generation, I think the idea of peacemaking takes on a different um, notion. And, you know, I think it can be stereotyped, misunderstood. um, But what I want, I guess what I want to read to you, because it goes all the way back to peacemaking, a believer's calling. Honestly, 43 years ago, I don't think we can say it better today. What is the calling to be peacemaking? And now I'm reading this because I I should have it memorized, but I I don't exactly. I, I could paraphrase for you, but there's three affirmations. The church is faithful to Christ when it is engaged in peacemaking. The church is obedient to Christ when it nurtures and equips God's people as peacemakers And then the third one, the church bears witness to Christ when it nourishes the moral life of the nation for the sake of peace in the world. So to me, peacemaking is um, what the church is called to do. And we're being faithful when we engage in it. We're really being obedient to Jesus when we nurture one another as peacemakers. And that gets to that sort of equipping and educating, not only children and youth, but even ourselves. You know, it's we're never fully formed Christians and we always can grow. So when we we continue to nurture and equip one another to be peacemakers. And then this third one is where we bear witness and the church does, we bear witness. And I think the PCUSA USA does this very well. Um, when it, I love this language, when we nourish the moral life of the nation for the sake of peace in the world. And honestly, now there's no time i mean that that commitment right there is so needed even today and especially today the moral life of the nation for the sake of peace in the world so i think i think that piece that they wrote years ago i would i i commend it to anybody that wants to it's on our web page but the uh peacemaking the believers calling is beautifully written and i think it still directs our work today So, what we try to do is um, to answer your question, we want to educate, we want to help equip people. So, we are our program does develop resources that can help um, congregations and households equip themselves to be peacemakers. So, children, youth, and adults. We provide training events, we provide conferences. So, we do want to equip and educate. And I think the other thing is, we well, we do follow. Basically, if the General Assembly directs us to do something like, for instance, uh, a decade to end gun violence was approved by the last assembly. We do that kind of work. We do work that the General Assembly directs us to do and um, provide resources for congregations when, when asked for that. So, and I think the other side of education that we do is awareness building. So not only providing resources on things that folks are aware of, but also making sure Presbyterians know about certain situations and then provide good resources for those situations or concerns or issues.
0: That's so helpful. And I think a lot of congregations are looking for stuff like that. Before we wrap up today's episode, I want to share with you some information about the Threads of Connection activity from our friends at the Presbyterian Giving Catalog.
3: Like strands of thread, God weaves our offerings of energy, intelligence, imagination, and love to create a tapestry of people and communities knit together in common cause, to make our world a more beautiful place where essential needs are met for everyone. Threads of Connection invites each member of your community, congregation, or group to make something beautiful together while connecting with others in need. Join us as we seek ways to give hope and show love, one stitch, one piece, or one patch at a time. Threads of Connection, weaving hope into the world. Threads of Connection is an activity from the Presbyterian Giving Catalog that provides a way to involve your entire congregation through small acts to create something big. These small acts are a reminder that when we come together, we are better able to see a bigger picture. A picture pieced together by love, joined by caring, and made stronger by faith.
0: Our conversation with Carl Horton today was so awesome that we had to break it up into two different episodes. So be sure to tune in to our next episode to hear the second part of our conversation with Carl about peacemaking. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Between Two Pulpits. If you'd like to download any of the resources we talked about in the show today, you can find those links in our show notes. So be sure to check those out. If you like what you heard today, then consider supporting us by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review. So that helps other people find us as we launch this show. And feel free to share this show with other people who you know might enjoy it. So I want to say thank you for listening and go in peace.